tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on the Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I just got a little buzz, uh, buzz of excitement there because the coaches poll has come out and Syracuse has moved up to 13th in the coaches poll. And you know what? You just des- you deserve to feel that excitement. I've That's ne- okay. I have never felt that excitement about Syracuse football. They're seven and two. the The game yesterday they played against Wake Forest was one that would typically be a trap game that they would lose. Like, of course they would lose that game. And they started off down 10 nothing, and you're like, yeah, they're gonna lose. And uh, no, they won 41 to 24. <laughs> it was also one of those where in the back of your head, you're like, eh, they'll be fine. They'll win. That's what a, a top 15 ranked team will be. I wonder what the AP poll and the college football playoff poll will look like for them as well. Welcome into hour two of Football Sunday. Just wanted to gloat a little bit. Mike Rashad, Jesse with you until 11 o'clock. We got Hater to Love It coming up at 1030. We'll talk some Seahawks in the next segment at uh, 1015 in the West Coast Bias. But I walked into the studio today. And Rashad was in the control room with Jesse. And I walk in, and the passion and the excitement. That's just how Jesse and I talk, man. And the energy, it inspired me. So please, inspire inspire us all. Why were you so passionate about the Hugh Jackson firing uh, in Cleveland? Well, so Jesse Don't undersell and I, it. You were let, passionate. Let, let, can, I, can I give some? Can I tell my story? So, no, you so, can't. First off, so, let's give a little bit. Let, let, first off, it got passionate. It started off civil and, and it worked its way to passionate. It got, it got very passionate, as Jesse and I sometimes do. Got very passionate. Uh, as far as if you've ever been to a fantasy draft with Jesse, you know exactly how passionate my guy can get. Joyke Bell. I wasn't that passionate. Joyke Bell. That's all we got to say. So um, Never going to drop that. The com- I remember him yelling at the top of his lungs, no! Yeah, I thought <laughs> I, I remember being something much different than no. Well, I can't say what he said yeah, on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Expletive! Like, really, really loud. Um, that would have been awkward if he had just yelled that. I, well, I mean, I think it's better than what he actually would have yelled. Curse word! Yeah, curses. So um, we came in, we're trying to think of, you know, maybe a new, new segment for the show or anything like that. And so kind of start talking about, man, what if, you know, what ifs in sports and, man, what if Hugh Jackson doesn't get fired? And I bring it up because uh, I look at this Browns roster that he, you know, is really responsible for. You look at this Browns team, and of all the rookie quarterbacks that have been drafted this year, the Browns easily have the best roster of any of them. And this includes the Cardinals, includes the Jets. Man, the Browns have the best roster, which is something we're not used to saying. You know, last year we knew they had a lot of talent. They just couldn't win a game for whatever reason. This year, the Browns are a couple field goals away from possibly being four and four. You know, and if they're four and four, I think we're having a much different conversation about what this team looks like uh, as far as their their prospects as we look forward. We've seen a lot of teams in NFL history that have been constructed by a certain coach. The wins weren't there. That coach was fired. Someone else comes in and they coach that team to multiple wins. We saw it happen with Tony Dungy and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then all of a sudden, Gruden comes in, and what do you know? That team just happens to go to, to the Super Bowl. Like we've seen it multiple times. You can even go as far as to say, you know, with uh, 
Bilotti, you know, Bilotti building a, a program with the Ducks and then Chip Kelly kind of taking it over and really taking it over with a lot of his guys. This is what, what I'm kind of seeing from Hugh Jackson. There's no denying that uh, there's been improvement with the Cleveland Browns this year. You know, there's there's no denying that all of a sudden we want to watch Cleveland games. We want to see what Baker Mayfield's going to do. Njuke Njoku is uh, one, of, one of the better tight ends in the league right now. They've got guys like uh, uh, Miles Garrett and also – um, uh, Landry, you know, on the offensive end to to kind of make things happen for them. Like all of a sudden, the Browns have a good team, and a lot of which is because man, Hugh Jackson, you know, helped build it. So um, as we look over here at what the Vikings did, they recover a fumble. Yeah, the Latavius Murray fumbled it into the end zone, and, and then, then Kyle, Kyle Rudolph, Rudolph landed on it. So I think that would count as a Kyle Rudolph rushing touchdown, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm playing against Latavius Murray, so that makes me quite happy. Unless they give it to him there, well, he did he, yeah, he might have got it there. Well, yeah. maybe. Well, yeah. So I I only say that to say like I mean, mind you, do I think Hugh Jackson was a great coach? Man, no. But I do. Do I think he was doing all all the right things to turn the team around? Man, yes. You know, where the wins there, and we we've seen a lot of Browns games this year to where they've just stubbed their toe on silly things. You know, man, a a, a miscatch here of uh, a. Uh, Tyrod Taylor breaking his wrist, you know, within the first few plays and stuff like that. So I'm looking at this team saying, man, for the first time that I can remember, man, the Browns don't suck. The Browns, and, and a lot of that is due to Hugh Jackson. Say whatever you want to, but a lot of that is because of what he was able to do. Todd Haley, we can all agree, probably not a good idea anywhere. Smart, great football mind, smart guy, really hard to get along with, and sometimes his play calling is – absolute garbage you know if you don't believe me go ahead and ask anybody to play for pittsburgh it's just kind of what it is the i kind of disagree wholeheartedly with what you're saying i i although i appreciate that yes they're a couple of field goals away from being a better team this year and looking better but what q jackson did after he was fired proved everything i needed to know about him and what he'd been doing coaching that team a few days later he did the media car wash and blamed everybody but himself. He went and pointed fingers at everybody else but himself. Now, let's not forget, Hugh Jackson, that you also were there as a head coach for the two prior seasons and won one game. Oh, they were terrible. So let's not pretend that you are so absolved of all of the problems that are going on in, in, in Cleveland. The reports say there is a power struggle. Well, maybe as a head coach, you shouldn't be having a power struggle when you're the head coach. And I know Todd, and you mentioned Todd Haley, and I agree that Todd Haley, I'm sure, was a, was a problem with this. And uh, he was also fired, by the way. And and we did hear from uh, Jimmy Haslam saying we are not going to deal with any internal issues when we're trying to build this team to something good. But I think Hugh Jackson was so stuck in his ways that he refused to change to make the team better. Some of the Some of the ways they were utilizing Baker Mayfield over the last few weeks made no sense. I don't know who that was. Again, it could have been either of them. We don't know. But I didn't like it. It didn't make any sense. And Hugh Jackson was stubborn. And well, I remember in Hard Knocks this year where he goes to his coaches, he says, look, and I, although I agreed with it, it wasn't the the way he said it was not good, where he basically said, I don't care what your opinion is. If it doesn't agree with mine, then we're not doing it. And at, and at the end of the day, I mean, while we could say whatever we want to, like, man, if you run a show, you run a program, man, if I'm the head guy and I don't agree with that, Man, I'm sorry. Like, well, I'll listen to you and everything like that, but you're not going to budge me on what I feel we should we should do as a team. I don't now, mind you, the way the way it was communicated, probably probably not great. But we're also not talking about 
you know, the New England Patriots as as a franchise. We're talking about arguably the most dysfunctional franchise in sports, at least historically, it has been. The Browns, the Knicks, man, uh, the, the Marlins, there are so many franchises that we just consider worthless for the most part. And you've got a guy here all of a sudden that, man, started to, to all the, they got all the right places, all the right pieces in place right now in Cleveland. And you can see that on the field. It's just for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Then you start to hear reports that we've heard before that, man, he wanted Carson Wentz. Man, I want to go out and get Carson Wentz. The, the, the organization said, yeah, no, we need, uh, was it Miles Garrett that year? Yeah. Yeah, we we need we need and Miles Garrett's been great. Miles Garrett's been great. Carson and let's Wentz not pretend like Carson, Carson Wentz. Wentz. Yeah, Carson Wentz was in the Super Bowl. Well, or, no, well, let, well, not really, but his team was. Let's not pretend that Carson Wentz wouldn't have been iffy in Cleveland. And either. that's the point, and, and that's my whole point because it's the Cleveland Browns. You've got a dude who's showing. So then Hugh Jackson deserves some blame for that. A well, lot of blame for that. I, he's I, the head yes, coach. I, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve blame for it because he's clearly, you know, he's clearly gotten the blame. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve any for it, but. You're just saying they, shouldn't, you're saying they the, shouldn't have fired him because they were they were looking. They were moving the way that they wanted to. They were moving in the direction they want to. It, if nothing else, Cleveland had been competitive this year. We can't. We're not going to sit here and say that they haven't been competitive and they haven't really shot in themselves in the foot. That's not a coaching thing at that point. I can't coach the fact that I'm, my kicker missed the field goal twice. Like I can't coach that. Okay, so so this is where 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 Hugh Jackson loses all of his credibility pushing the blame around him. First of all is you said it they got all these pieces in place so that means the Browns have kind of transitioned from ruining every single pick that they've taken to to like now they're starting to hit on them like Miles Garrett has been great uh was it uh Gibson who they took in the first round and I actually crushed them for it has been great at corner this this year that defense is good so they've started building a team a quarterback themselves has a hard time lifting a team with zero talent around them they, they went out, they picked up Nick Chubb in the second round. They went out and they picked up Jarvis Landry in the offseason. They got Nick in, uh, David Njoku last year. They got talent. So then when they go and get that quarterback and they put him in place, he has the ability to have some sort of success. Now, he still looks like a rookie out there, but he has the ability to have success. Now, this is where things get kind of pushed uh, away for, for um, Hugh Jackson. He 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 could have said, you know what? I, I think he could have bought himself more time if he just would have rolled out Mayfield in the beginning. Instead, you rolled out Taylor. And as as much as everybody knows, I love Taylor. He was god awful this year. Now, was that Taylor or is that Hugh Jackson? Because he wasn't god awful in Buffalo. But now it, it, I'm not all right. So then you you take into account last week going into the into the week. Hugh Jackson says, you know what? I need to take more responsibility for the off offense. I'm going to start calling plays because Todd Haley's not doing a good enough job. What happens, that offense looks worse than it did under Todd Haley. They don't get David and Joku a target last week. The only, actually, technically they did, but he didn't get the target because it was a pass interference in the gosh darn end zone because they couldn't guard him. This guy has made horrible decisions left and right, and every time that he, that he has um, come out, he hasn't been accountable for that. And as the leader, you have to be accountable. Like, even to the point where you think about a guy like Andrew Luck, he's accountable to the point where it's detrimental to the rest of the team because he takes responsibility for other people's actions that aren't doing a good job and says it's on him. And so that's a leader right there. That's uh, a guy who's accountable I, for his I, actions and the others around him. I think him. it's incredibly weird that you finally got the quarterback that, for the most, that you, that you say you wanted, 
and then you don't even give the coach the whole year to be able to coach him to success. Man, Baker Mayfield shouldn't have started. I know we have to break here, but he shouldn't have started to start the season. We've That's been the story of the Cleveland Browns forever. You put this young, good quarterback in the starting position for you to be murdered by everybody else because your team has no direction. They should have let Baker understand how to play quarterback in the league. And the thing is, he still really hasn't learned how to play quarterback all the way. Has he had some good moments? Absolutely. But he's still got a lot to learn, and I think he should have at least given him. Should I say he should have been fired? Man, sure. Fire him at the end of the season. It's it's a bad look for you to fire your coach and coordinator within the same couple days, and now you have no offensive identity I don't know about that because the person that they're replacing with has already come out and said, hey, you know what we're going to do is we're going to change this offense. We're going to start doing some different schemes. We're going to do more of an air raid system that he did when he was in Oklahoma. We're going to start doing some things that he was really successful with in college against teams like, gosh darn, Alabama or Ohio State. Yeah, the, the problem is, is Hugh Jackson was very hard-headed, and he, he ran a great offense in Cincinnati. He really did. He made Andy Dalton look like a, a world beater at times, but he would not. He was very, very, very stubborn in changing his his offense into one that would fit Baker Mayfield, and that's part of the reason why he's fired. All right, let's break. Coming up next is West Coast bias time, and uh, we will discuss your Seattle Seahawks. Are they as good as they look? Ugh. Or are we not sure yet? That's next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I didn't hear my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad, brought to you by Pape Machinery on the home of the National Football League, ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. All right, it's time for West Coast Bias, 10-21 here on your Sunday morning. And we wanted to focus on the Seahawks a little bit. We haven't talked a lot about them this year. I went into this season expecting them to be pretty bad. So far, that has not exactly been the case. They are four and three. They are second in the NFC West. Granted, there's still a ton of games behind the undefeated LA Rams for first place in that division. But four and three is not bad. And they've been looking better over the last couple of games. The running game is becoming more effective as we see Chris Carson getting back healthy. Mike Davis had some good rushing games for them when Chris Carson was out. Russell Wilson's playing really consistent football. Tyler Lockett's having a good season. And their defense is playing better than I thought their defense would. So are the Seahawks actually as good as they've appeared? Or are they being uh, benefited by their schedule? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think they've they're really surpassing expectations right now. I think a, a lot of us kind of uh, picked the Seahawks to be probably the worst team in the NFC West this year, just considering uh, all the pieces that you lost this year, you know, losing Richard Sherman, losing uh, Cam Chancellor, losing a lot of your defense, you know. So, um, And then just, you know, with, with certain guys like, you know, Jimmy Graham leaving and, and going to uh, the Packers this year. You no, know, you thought with all these key subtractions that uh, – you wouldn't see a very competitive team. But the one thing you still have is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson is, I mean, he's he's one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league. You know, he's always going to be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league every single year. But all this guy does is just produce, you know, every year. Like at this point, 
You know, would you know it? Russell Wilson's tied for sixth as far as touchdowns thrown this year, and he's only got four interceptions. Here's a guy that's still able to do all the things he's able to do and still will his team to victory. So that team goes as Russell Wilson is able to go. I think that's kind of been the case for the Seahawks the last couple of years, especially as they've kind of lacked an offensive line. It looks like they've kind of fixed some of their problems along the offensive line, still got some work to do, but they've uh, allowed their run game to look good, which is something that we haven't seen since Beast Mode, you know, as far as them having really a, a dependable running game. So my answer to this is a little bit more on the cautious side because if you look at the, the teams they've beaten – it's really not exactly a who's who. They've beaten the Dallas Cowboys, who are not good this year. They've beaten the Arizona Cardinals, who are not good this year. They've beaten the Oakland Raiders, who are really bad this year. And they've beaten the Detroit Lions, who have been strangely a dumpster fire, but still will win sometimes. The teams they have lost to, Denver, week one, Chicago, week two, and the Rams, week five. So... Every good team they've played, they've lost. And I'm not even calling it Denver a good team, but I guess a good defense. And that was week one, so a little different. Every bad team they've played, they've won. That's why I said earlier in the show that this game this today against the Chargers is going to be a huge indication of whether or not the Seahawks are actually as good as they have appeared, especially last week against uh, the, the Lions, or if it's the case of they're not playing great teams. So they're winning some of those games and they're going to be like a seven and nine, eight and eight team, depending on who they play. I, but because of that, I'm on the opinion that I'm not so sure they're as good as they appear. Now, Chris Carson has played well and that's good for the running game. And if he plays today, that's good for them. Russell Wilson's not running the ball quite as much this year. And that means that he's playing a lot better passing, which is good as well. And that means the offensive line is doing a little bit better protecting him. But the fact that Tyler Lockett's your number one and he's good, don't get me wrong, but you're, relying on a guy named David Moore, not DJ Moore, David Moore, to kind of be your number two because Doug Baldwin's been fighting from some injuries. There's a, there's a big trust issue I have with that on the offense. And the defense is playing better, but it's not as good as it used to be. So I don't think the Seahawks are as good as they appear, but today can go a very long way in changing my mind on that. Um, You know, it's it's hard to know if a team is as good as as they appear. You know, again, they've – They've been helped out by their schedule. They've been helped out by the fact that they haven't really pl had to play any any world beaters at this point, except for the Rams who are in their division. You know, they'll play the Rams again after this Chargers game, but then after that, all of these games are relatively winnable. You know, they'll they'll have Green Bay at home. They'll go to Carolina, 49ers at home. Vikings have been, you know, up and down. We're still waiting to see if uh, really Kirk Cousins is, is really that dude. Uh, for the Vikings, so there's still some winnable games. So can the can the Seahawks go to the playoffs? Man, yeah, you know they could. I see. I'm looking at their schedule, and I I can see another six wins. Just I, I see three within their own division between the two that they have with the 49ers and another game against the Cardinals. So I mean, can can they do that? I I, I think they could, but they'd have to. But play. they also have yeah, Chargers, they have, they have Rams, a great Packers, Chiefs team Panthers. that they have to go ahead and yeah. beat. But but that the, again, the Chiefs have to come to them. Patrick Mahomes has to show that he can go on the road and do it in um, in Seattle. So that that's a big if because, again, man, that's where people go to die as far as quarterbacks. That was uh, a very strange no-pass interference call that just happened in that Chiefs-Browns game. Deep pass, Baker Mayfield, guy had a chance in the end zone, gets pushed over by the Chiefs defender, and they didn't call a pass interference. Guess that's Hugh Jackson's fault, huh? It is Hugh Jackson's fault. Everything is Hugh Jackson's fault. All right, coming up next, let's break. Coming up next, 
It is time for Hate It or Love It. We haven't done this legitimately in a while because we didn't have point sounds last time or something, so we didn't actually do a competition. Now uh, now we're here, so let's do it legitimately if we can. And uh, that's next, but first, Jesse as Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it's time for Hate It or Love It. Are our point sounds back, Jesse? Let's find out. Yep. There's one. Yeah. Nice. We got him back. Yay. So we'll uh, have a competition today. Sweet. And I don't know. You can, who wants to go first? I don't know. I don't care today. (laughs) Uh, You can go first. Okay. Uh, Let me get my sheet of paper that I like to write on and keep track of these points. Yeah, I'll go first, which is never my favorite spot to go, but that's okay. I'm, I can be hot take man. Throw Rashad a bone. What you mean? I'll win these things <laughs> I know. quite often. No, quite you, often. It's quite pretty often. split. We're yeah, pretty, split. we're 50-50. Every once in a while, you guys go on a little streak, but most of the time, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty even. I think the longest streak was Rashad won like three in a row. Yeah, that's it. I think you won three in a row as, as well one time. I might have, yeah. All right. Well, I suppose we could get this going. Um, had to remake my hate it or love it sheet because we have a new computer because we have a new computer yeah. which kind of stinks because i was highlighting things that we had done so i didn't repeat topics that kind of stuff uh with that said we got a new one going um interesting report that i saw this morning was that the seat under john harva seems to be heating up in baltimore they haven't made the playoffs since 2014 and it sounds like they're getting a little antsy to make the playoffs once again Love or hate, John Harbaugh is fired by the Ravens by the end of the season. Uh, I hate it. Uh, first of all, it's not John Harbaugh's fault that the roster doesn't make any sense. It's not a well-made roster. It's a quarterback who hasn't been that good for a couple of years. It's a running game that has nobody who's an elite player. You bring in John Brown and Willie Sneed as your savers at receiver, and they're fine, but they're not great. You haven't had a good one since Steve Smith. Your defense hasn't been good for years, but that's – or as good four years. They used to have one of the best defenses in the NFL, if you remember. And you're relying on Terrell Suggs still being a good player, and he's just getting older and older. You got to build a better team before you fire a coach for not doing well with a, a worse team. Uh, the Ravens have not been bad either, and I think that's important. The Ravens are always in the playoff conversation, even if they haven't made it for a couple of years, because John Harbaugh is a good coach, and that's the key. He's a good enough coach that he makes a really mediocre roster look good on a on a year-in and year-out basis or good enough on a year-in and year-out basis. Don't forget they're also in a tough division with all these teams are kind of just beating each other up every single week. So I hate it. I think Harbaugh's got a longer leash than that. Um, I love it. Uh, not because I don't like John Harbaugh. I actually like him much better than the other Harbaugh. Uh, it's just that this is a league where uh, they don't have a lot of patience unless you're the Cincinnati Bengals. And then in that case, you stick with your coach um, forever. But in the case of John Harbaugh, you're looking at a city and a team that's used to winning. You're looking at a city and a team that's used to being in the playoff conversation. You know, uh, historically, Baltimore has never had an awesome uh, offense. That wasn't until Joe Flacco came in. Joe Flacco at least made them quasi-relevant as far as uh, being the quarterback they that they've needed for the past few years. 
They ha- he hasn't been great for the past few years, which is why they go out and maybe go and draft a Deshaun or a, a, a Jackson, just thinking that he may be able to be that guy in the future. But for right now, I'm looking at a Baltimore team that's just middle of the road. But I'm looking at an AFC North that's just middle of the road for the most part. If you look at the teams up and down, none of them, including Pittsburgh, are on our team that you go, ah, well, yeah, they're the they're the the big threat from there. So I think if he wins out and he at least wins eight nine games, I don't think he'll be fired. But if they go eight and eight, or if they go uh, seven and nine somewhere around there, expect for him to get the boot. All right. <clears throat> Not bad. Not bad. Good start. Lots of points. Lots, Lots of points. points to start. Good hot takes. Um, you get a point. You get a point. Yeah, yeah. we're just going to start throwing them around. We'll just do, we're going to start making a little mega point sound here and just give you lots of points. Oprah Winfrey. Ooh, yeah. I got an idea for that one. All right. All right. Um, and we got everybody distracted by the red zone right now. So that's awesome. Yep. Um, moving on. We had an awesome Thursday night game. Like, we didn't even talk about how good that game was. It was so good. It was so good. Those Oakland Raiders are so legit. They make the 49ers look like the New England Patriots. However, there's a lot of hope for their future. All those first-round picks that they've been acquiring. They have five over the next two seasons. Love or hate, Oakland will be a competitive team as far as competing for the playoffs by the time that they move to the Vegas. Hate, 100% hate. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of reasons for this. The first of which is we like to give John Gruden a lot of credit for the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. Talk about it, Lynch. But let's not forget that outside of that, he has not been that great of a head coach. When he was previously with the Raiders, he was perfectly average. After the, the, the Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, he was perfectly average. And what he has done so far to this Raiders team might as well be a crime. He got rid of all of their good players. And yes, they've accrued some draft picks, but guess what? You also need to draft well with those draft picks. And the Raiders have proven they can draft well, but they've also proven that they can make plenty of mistakes in their drafts as well. And it's just not that easy to hit on a ton of first round picks. So sure, we've accrued a lot of first round picks, but you gotta be super successful with all of them if you wanna fix this team, because right now the talent on this team is almost non-existent. Derek Carr is regressing. Uh, they got rid of a lot of their good players. People are unhappy all over the place. And I just don't see how magically you get a couple of rookies and all of a sudden you're going to be good. No, maybe, but I don't see it. So I hate. Um, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna hate it as well. Um, don't worry. It's just a 10-year, $100 million contract. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gruden, Gruden hasn't been uh, a great coach uh, historically. He's been okay at best. You know, you look back at his, uh, at his career – you know, the first year he got to Tampa Bay, or the, yeah, the first year he got to Tampa Bay, 12 and 4. Um, then they won the Super Bowl, 7 and 9, 5 and 11. Then he had another year where he was 11 and 5, then right back to 4 and 12. Like, that's the, the type of coach John Gruden is. He wasn't a great coach when he was the Raiders coach. He happened to play against a team that he used to coach against, and they ran all the same plays that he drew up. That's the reason that he gets the praise that he does. He's been great as a quarterback's coach, you know, or as a quarterback guru, but I think that was kind of his lane. I think his time to be a head coach is kind of over. This is almost similar to if someone like Bill Parcells wanted to come back and be a head coach in this NFL. Things are different 
times are different. The players have mobility that, they have, that they're not used to having, and I think that's a big problem for him. He wants to build this team and his image, but the thing is, I don't think we really know what his image is at this point because he didn't build that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. He didn't build that Raiders team. So now you're looking at an, an, at a situation where you got a guy who you're just pretty much banking on the fact that he knows what he's doing. I don't think he knows at this point, or if he knows, he's told it really close to the chest. I don't think they make the playoffs in the next couple of years. Yeah, he he says people like he's getting he's getting texts and calls and and players want to come play for the Raiders. Who? Nobody said anything who? about that. Yeah, who? Drop yeah, he a, said that. I've got a phone. Drop a name. You like, wouldn't you wouldn't believe. So people like the to see, Raiders. So so you're cutting all your best players and the other best players around the league are saying, "Hey, coach, I'd love to come play for you." No, get out of here. They want to come work for you in the front office, maybe. Maybe they want to come work because you know you got stroke and everything, but don't nobody want to play for you right now? I'm sure he's getting calls from players that were like, I was thinking about retiring next year, but I hear that you want all the oldest players in the league, so I'll come, I'll come play for you for a max That's deal. the only way it's going to work. Veterans, <laughs> minimums, everyone. All right. Well, um, I'm going to throw this one in there because I think it's uh, sad to see him go, although I understand the move, and I think it was a, um, a amicable uh, parting of ways by the Denver Broncos and Demarius Thomas, who was traded to the Houston Texans this season. Um, he, he's been slowly less productive over the last couple of years since Peyton Manning has left. He's had to deal with quarterback changes left and right, drop issues, love or hate. Demarius Thomas being traded to Houston will resurrect his career. Love. I do love it. Demarius Thomas had an issue of not having a good quarterback the last few years in Denver. And Denver's offense was built in a way that he really didn't have that many route options. They loved doing the short screen with him. They loved doing passes where his big body would help him make catches. But I wonder if going to a different team would mean that he would get different route options, get a different assignment. He's not going to be the number one anymore. DeAndre Hopkins is that. He's going to be the number two. And give him a chance to kind of explore the studio space, if you will, and be a different kind of receiver. He had been pigeonholed in a certain type of role in Denver that just wasn't working with the bad quarterback. So I'll say love that he'll get it re-resurrected. He also is going to have um, he's going to have Deshaun Watson throwing the ball to him. And Deshaun Watson has kind of gotten healthy fully and gotten the rust off. And he looks good again after the torn ACL injury from last year. Now, he is older, and he is going to make a lot of money, so he doesn't have a lot of time left, but I, I think he's going to be able to resurrect at least for a couple of years in Houston. Uh, I'm loving that he's going to have a resurrection or hating it. Loving it or I'm hating loving it. it. I'm loving it. Uh, I've been set it on the show. I think the Houston Texans are a sneaky good team. Uh, that was one of my picks to actually make it to the Super Bowl from the AFC. Um, I'm looking at a guy who really his whole career has never had a great quarterback. And that includes Peyton Manning. You have Peyton Manning at the tail end of his career for the one year, then the next year when he couldn't fill his fingers, he couldn't throw the ball from me to Lynch at this point. Uh, he had to make all those things happen based off of his own athleticism and know-how. Now he's going into a situation where he doesn't have to worry about being the number one. He can focus on being a number two, and in some cases being a number three because Will Fuller is still there. So now you've got way more options to throw the ball. You're talking about a guy who was making guys like Brock Osweiler look good. You're talking about a guy who was going to make uh, Paxton Lynch look really good. Now he's going to get a quarterback that everybody in the league seemingly believes in, like Lynch said, and Deshaun Watson, who's really been 
been making the rest of his team uh, look great, man. I'm looking at a guy who's been a consummate professional his entire career. Whether he plays a number one or number two, number three, I don't think it's going to matter to Demarius Thomas. He's just going to be a guy that goes out there and plays football. You talk about having a calming example for somebody like uh, like um, DeAndre Hopkins, who's already a really calm dude, but somebody can take the pressure off of him a little bit that's only going to make the Texans eat that much better. I'm, 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 I'm all in. That was good. I, I, I like that last point, too. I think the fact that he's a consummate professional. You don't hear um, anything about you hear, no. hear anything bad about Demarius Thomas in the locker room about and a lot of them. A lot of them were sad, which means he had built a lot of good relationships. Yes, he's one of the, he's one of those dudes. You see Von Miller tweeted about it. You see Emmanuel Sanders tweeted about it. Like a lot of people were really sad. You guys are Bronco fans. I'm sure you're sad that you're not going to have your guy there anymore. And I think I, that just I am some, sad, but I understand. Sometimes when receivers go, you're like, well, fine, get rid of him. He got on my nerves anyway. I think there's a lot of Giants fans saying when Odell's gone. Let him go. Whatever. I'm not tripping. But he's one of those guys that you actually miss when he's not around. The only thing I wish Demarius Thomas didn't do in his whole career was hold the ball like a piece of bread. <laughs> Every time he caught it, he would, like, hold it out here with one hand. And it's like, dude, just in your body. Put it in your body. He's got those big hands. It is sad to see him go because he's one of my favorite Broncos. Um, he's done some amazing things. If Super Bowl 48, the only good thing about that game was the fact that he set the all-time Super Bowl record for receptions in, in the Super Bowl. Um, he at times is obviously like this year had, had rough hands, but he's, he's always going to be a Bronco to me. I hope he does that one day contract retires a Bronco. He will be in the ring of fame. John Elway's basically already come out and said that, um, I, and one of the two Georgia tech receivers on a team that never throws the football, him and Calvin Johnson, he turned into really good guys in the NFL. Yeah, no, it was just, it, it, He's he's a guy. It's sad to see him go, but at the same time, it's a win-win for everybody. I think he gets a chance to resurrect his career for a lot of great reasons that you guys brought up. With that said, Mike Lynch edged him out, edged out Rashad there. I felt good today. I I don't like going first normally, but I I had a hot take on all of you, all three of your questions today. I felt good about it. I did. Sometimes you hit me with one, and I'm like, I I ah. I don't know. Yeah. Today, though, I was ready. Maybe it's because we didn't have a show last week, so I'm, I've got it all stored up, all my hot take energy in, in one in one giant glowing orb ready to, to come out for this show. Don't take that as disgusting. I should break. Coming up next, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay, bye. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, I've been beaten into submission. That's what I do, man. Tap. I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell it differently than what you want me to sell it as. As long as you sell it, though, baby. I'm not selling it. As long as you sell it. Which game intrigues you more today? Rams Saints. Or Patriots Packers. The because more th- to me, it's not even close. It's Rams Saints, and I am wildly interested in that game. I really want to see if the Rams continue to be undefeated, and I want to. I mean, the Saints probably should be undefeated too because they lost that weird one in Week One to the to the Bucks. But this game, to me, it's like it's the new bloods in the NFC, whereas I've seen. Packers Patriots a hundred times before you haven't and I don't 
I mean, I care, but not as much about about that game as I do Saints and Rams. Um, and you are the opposite well, because you're a biased Patriots fan. Well, yes, number one, but <laughs> I'm also a biased sports fan, and there are certain things that yeah, football is a weird a weird sport, right? It's weird in the sense that, man, in basketball and baseball and hockey, man, everybody will play each other. You know, like a team from the East will play a team from the West, you know, and, and baseball, a team from the AL will, pay, will play every team from the NL. Football is a weird sport in the sense that you, you don't get to play everybody. There's there's games where or there are teams that haven't played each other but maybe two or three times. Like, so I, I think the last time the Patriots and the Packers played, the Packers won. It was a few years ago, and it's the year that the Patriots won the Super Bowl against Seattle. And outside of that, they haven't played each other since then. Smart Money says this is the last time we're going to see these quarterbacks ever play each other. Because we can all head and go ahead. We can be honest. The Packers are probably not going to the Super Bowl. There's a good chance the Patriots go back to the Super Bowl. But you're looking at the greatest quarterback of all time versus the most talented quarterback of all time. And like I said, Smart Money says that we won't ever see this matchup again. So, I mean, it's very seldom that you get a chance to watch Arnold Arnold Palmer Jack Nichols, you know, you get a chance to watch uh, LeBron versus Kobe or LeBron Jordan or whatever the case is. Man, this is kind of one of those things, you know, so this is must-see TV. Now, mind you, yes, that uh, Rams-Saints game, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be a lot of scoring in that game. It's going to be a great game. But these two quarterbacks are the reason both of those, all those quarterbacks and every quarterback around the league even remotely start to play football is because of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, hey, like that you're you're looking at greatness right there. Like both of those teams and the Rams and the Saints are awesome teams. Like you're looking at the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the National Football League that'll be playing each other for the last time ever. 2022 is the next set Packers Patriots game in the regular season. So you Brady, might be right. Brady will be retired by then. Let's go ahead and say it. He'll, it's 2018, about to be 19. Brady will be gone. Uh, Rodgers will probably no longer be a Packer at that point. You know, he's what Rodgers is what, 33 now, 34? Look, so you might be right that it's the last time we see these two play each other. It doesn't change the fact that I am more interested in Rams Saints. And uh, this is a personal thing for me, but I, I suffer from overexposure syndrome where, like, I, of course, I know how good these two quarterbacks are, and I know how cool this matchup could be. But the amount of times I've seen Brady and Rodgers on national TV on primetime games, it's like, yeah, I'm interested, but Rams and Saints are new and sexy and fun, and I'd rather watch that right now. So that's why I prefer that one. It's just it's, it happens to me in all sports. Like I, It's happening to me in the NBA, I think, for most people because it's annoying. But the Warriors, right? Every time they're on national TV, basically for every game, or LeBron is on TV for every, every national game or whatever. Happens in baseball, too, and I know that my team, the Yankees, is one of those teams. I understand. I get it. If I wasn't a fan, I'd feel the exact same way. I just, I get, I get tired of it, so I look for the new and fun things. So, I, I see it the same way. If I, I look at it this way. If, if uh, these two games were going head-to-head, you have the Packers and the Patriots, and you have the Rams and the Saints, I'm going Rams-Saints over the Pack. Packers Patriots. Now, I just think it's going to be a better game. Yeah, well, I agree, and that's one of the reasons why I want to watch the Rams and the um, Saints over the the Packers Patriots. Now, since the Sunday night game, all to itself, 
Packers, Patriots, I, I, you're going to have a dang good game. And that's one I want to watch for sure. I think the only game that could have been better on Sunday night was the Rams and Saints. So, so with that said, yeah, you're going to get a good game. And it's one that you want to watch. And it's one you're going to watch. And uh, it's going to be interesting from the storylines. This is one where it's like Tom Brady never, never loses at home. It lasts like seven years. Aaron Rodgers actually hasn't been very good on the road. But the question is, can he do it? Can he make it happen? Because there's one thing that I think he has in spades in Aaron Rodgers, and that's the ability to just make magic happen in the fourth quarter. That's what he does. But the only the only problem for me is that the Packers are just not very good. So Aaron Rodgers can do as much as he can, but so far what he's done is uh, equated to a 3-3-1 three, three, and one record in third place in the NFC North behind the Bears and the Vikings. So in previous years when Aaron Rodgers has done the magical things, and the, the, the Packers have actually never had a team that's been necessarily elite as a full team, but what he's done has been with better players than they have right now. They have absolutely no running game. They have a receiver core that is injured and inconsistent when they're healthy anyway. So what Aaron Rodgers is doing on a, on a gimpy knee is, is amazing. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like the Packers are a great team this year. I mean, so is it going to be a good game? Maybe. Or it could be Patriots 34, Packers 21, and we just kind of snooze our way to the and, end. And if that's the way that goes, then, you know, then hey. But, again, this is, this is a matchup that you see every four years, you know, uh, quite possibly. And you know, so they played each other twice. In the and for Brady's great career and Aaron Rodgers' awesome career, they played each other twice. This will be time number three that they will have been able to to play each other. So, man, uh, for that reason alone, man, it's, you got to watch it, man. You know, it's it's, it's must see. So we're the same number. They have similar stories. You know, stuff. Hey, man, this should be an awesome matchup. And so I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, history, because there is no mistake in that Aaron Rodgers is arguably the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen. Tom Brady is the greatest winner that we've ever seen, and so who comes out on top of that? All right. Well, I'm going to enjoy both games, but I much prefer Rams versus Saints. So thank you so much for listening today. We appreciate all the texts on the Better You Today text line at five five three zero five, as well as uh, oh, the close music is missing. That's the problem. <laughs> Um, that's one of the ones that did not get saved over correctly. Great play by the Panthers to <laughs> to score a touchdown. Curtis Samuel, look at he's gotten a couple of touchdowns this year. Um, so I'm just gonna pretend the close music is playing. I'll sing it. Go ahead. Uh, thank you so much for texting. We really appreciate it. Ooh, we found it. I'm quick. Quick. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> sadly. Thank you so much for texting on the Better You Today text line at 55305. Remember, find us on Twitter at 1080thefan, at MikeLynch27, at TaylorMade503, at JesseOsmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N. Next week, we'll be back 9 to 11, and we are set, it appears, to be 9 to 11 every week up until November 25th, Sunday, November 25th, which I would have been out for that show anyway because that's after Thanksgiving. So it kind of just works out think we're off that day and then beyond that unless the Seahawks get flexed to an early game we should be good to go 9 to 11 you may have an occasional 8 to 10 in there but we'll let you know if that happens so good luck in your fantasy matchups this week we'll see you 9 to 11 next week when the Seahawks play the LA Rams be a good matchup talk about then as well
Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, everybody, and we'll see you then. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.